Welcome to Alaska's Native Voice. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Indigenous women are leading the way in their families, in their communities, professionally, and in politics, from local, state, to the national level. Women are relying on the teachings of their ancestors, using traditional knowledge passed on from generation to generation to help guide them along the way. History was made in September when Mary Peltola was sworn in into the U.S. House, becoming the first Alaska Native person to ever serve in Congress. Join us as we celebrate successes, examine challenges, and look at the leadership of the future. Right after the news. I'm Hannah Bissett with KNBA News. The first day of the Alaska Federation of Natives annual convention kicked off on Thursday in Anchorage. Thousands of people from across the state are gathered together for three days for the first in-person AFN convention since 2019. U.S. Representative for Alaska Mary Patola received two standing ovations as she took the stage. Patola made history in September, becoming the first Alaska Native person, Yupik, to ever serve in Congress. The Democrat talked about unity, working together, and expressed her gratitude to the late Republican Congressman Don Young, whose seat she had won in this special election. Peltola discussed serving not only Alaska Native people, but all the people in Alaska. And I, I don't see this as um, a, like a stepping stone to anything else. I don't see this as a springboard to anything else. I really just very literally take this job for at face value, I want to work hard for Alaskans. Her views on unity, regardless of party, is echoed by AFN attendees. N. Kangdek, Clinkett and Native Hawaiian, works for a tribal nonprofit, reacted to Potola's speech. She is so strong and so eloquent, and her message about unity, tying it into AFN, but also to the state of Alaska and our need to really come together and support each other, not just as Alaska Natives, but as Alaskans. The convention floor rose to their feet and several groups of people sang songs to honor Peltola. They're you know, literally singing her praises after she finishes speaking. I think it's so great to see the impact she has on the community. Peltola is running for the general election to keep the seat. What could energy look like in the future of Alaska? Something reliable, safe, and portable? This future could be near with micronuclear reactors. A micronuclear reactor is a small-scale reactor with 5 megawatts. Marianne Keyes has over 20 years of experience in nuclear energy. She says nuclear energy could be a good source of heat and energy for smaller rural communities. Uh, it is factory-built, fueled, and assembled. It has eight or more years of full power for a community of about 3,000. To help visualize, the size of particles are so small you can put the micronuclear reactor on a truck. To give that in perspective, it's about 200 times smaller than the tra traditional nuclear uh, power plants that have been uh, built around the U.S. And, and globally. That was Vladimir Novak, who was serving as the chief commercial officer for the ultra-safe nuclear company. Novak says that they started on this mission for a safer nuclear reactor 11 years ago. In uh, traditional reactors, there are really many safety systems around the fuel to make the reactor safe. And if any of those systems, for whatever reason, does not work, uh, then we have an issue. In the reactor, small uranium particles are used to create heat. They are about the size of poppy seeds. They are three layers that cannot be penetrated. 
and does not have a risk of leaking out. Tribes should have what is best for their land, and that the stewards of the land should have the final say. A group of indigenous women were recognized for their military service during opening ceremonies at this year's Alaska Federation of Natives Convention in Anchorage. Emily Schwing has more. For more than a decade, Alaska Native veterans have opened the Alaska Federation of Natives Convention with a color guard procession. This year was a little different. Five Alaska Native and American Indian women were met with a standing ovation as they exited the convention hall after the procession. Juanita Mullen is from the Seneca Nation in New York State. She just retired as the American Indian and Alaska Native Veterans Liaison for the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. First in line was the first time I ever seen them do this. According to a 2020 report from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, only 11% of American Indian and Alaska Native veterans are women. They just started letting females in the battalion in the Navy when I joined. That's Flossie Davenport. She grew up in Nome. She served as a CB in the Navy from 1998 to 2003. She said she never thought about being a woman in service until she started to notice some of her superiors treated her differently. Ben Cleveland says he asked all of the veterans who came to present colors on AFN if they'd be willing to honor the women. He says not a single man was opposed to supporting the women who have served alongside them. I'm Emily Schwing. The AFN newscast is produced by KMBA and Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation, supported with funding by Rasmussen Foundation, Alaska Native Tribal Health Consortium, ExxonMobil Alaska, Chalista Corporation, Manilak Association, South Central Foundation, ConocoPhillips, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, and Donlin Gold. This is a production of KMBA and Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation, brought to you through Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Welcome to Alaska's Native Voice. From the floor of the 2022 Alaska Federation of Natives Convention, I'm Antonia Gonzalez. On today's show, we're talking about Alaska Native women and their rise at all levels of leadership, from tribal administration to the U.S. House of Representatives. Alaska Native women are finding their own seats at the table, and there are men gathering behind them to show their support. And joining me now is Tara Sweeney, and she is the former Assistant Secretary for Indian Affairs during the Trump administration. She was also the Vice President of External Affairs for Alaska's Arctic Slope Regional Corporation, where she is also a shareholder. Uh, Richard Peterson is here as well, and he is the president of the Clinket and Haida Indian Tribes of Alaska and has served at various levels of local and regional governments in southeast Alaska throughout his career. Thank you both for being here today. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to be here. And so the big news this week, um, well, since September was... uh, uh, Mary Peltola taking uh, office and becoming the first Alaska Native person to serve in the U.S. Congress. Um, we invited her to the show today. She couldn't make it, but um, Emily Schwing and I got to talk to her, so we wanted to kick off our show and hear what she, she had to say. Um, in the Yupik language, we don't have him, her, he, she. We don't have those pronouns. It's just that person or it. It really is not a society that's super attached to gender um, and to gendered things. So I know that there really was a lot of balance um, historically between the genders. The same is true for elders. Um, Elder status, you don't have more elder status if you're a man or a woman. It's very balanced. And so many of our leaders are women, and, and women are seen as leaders not just for other women, but for the community. 
the idea of a matriarch was always infused into Alaska Native culture and history. And, um, you know, I wonder if we're, did we see a loss of it? And now are we seeing a revival of that feeling of women as matriarchs? I'm not, I wouldn't say that we've, we lost it. Um, you know, in the Western society, it is patriarchal and you, and women have their dad's last name and then they have their husband's last name. And, and I think a lot of the history of that is property rights. Um, you belong to your dad and his family. And then when you get married, you belong to your husband and his family. And that is very different than um, many Alaska Native cultures. We are matrilineal. We we do belong to our mom's families. Um, I feel s extremely blessed because uh, my mother is Yupik and my father is uh, from Nebraska and part of the Western system. So on both cultures, I belong. I am the property of both of those families. Um, in Congress, do you see yourself as a matriarch for your constituents, or do you not think of, of your gender or in the role that you're, you're filling now? I do not really see myself um, as any different than a man. You know, and when you grow up in a, uh, running a commercial fishing boat, you're the captain. It doesn't matter what gender you are. You have things you need to get done. You need to catch fish. You need to make sure you're boat is gassed up, you need to make sure your net's in good shape, you need to make sure your boat's clean. And it, that does, it just doesn't matter what gender you're from. And I really noticed it in my 10 years in Juneau in the state legislature. I honestly got to Juneau and I was so surprised because people would have to tell me if somebody did something that sounded sexist or that sounded ageist. Um, I sat through an entire committee hearing and didn't realize that the chair was calling me little one or kiddo, things like that, because it just went right over my head. I just see myself as just as fit and able and capable to make decisions and lead as anyone else. Antonia and I have, have covered a lot of AFN, and we just see this celebration of indigenous women who are, you know, finding these roles in leadership. When you are the person that's celebrated, like, what is that like for you? It, it's very weird. <laughs> I will tell you that because I do not see myself in, in that category. I, I see myself as a worker. I see myself as wanting to do the work of um, being the liaison of all Alaskans to the federal government. And I don't think that has anything to do necessarily with any gender or any eth ethnic background or whatever region of the state you're from. I just think for as much as Alaskans talk about federal overreach or talking really negatively about the federal government, we have a very strong relationship with the federal government. We are still very dependent on them. 60% of our land is federal land. And, and we have a, a very strong economic tie, not only in, in terms of the workforce and the wages that brings back to Alaska, but federal grants, federal funding sources, all of those things are critical to Alaska moving forward in a good, healthy, positive way. I just really see myself as somebody who takes the job seriously and wants to work hard for Alaska. 
And of course, that's uh, Alaska's representative. And um, joining me now are Richard Peterson and uh, Tara Sweeney. And Tara, I want to start with you. Just please first introduce yourself, and then we'll get your reaction to everything that Mary had to say. Sure. Well, good morning. I am Tara Sweeney, Utkarving uh, Mulu. I'm I'm from the the North Slope from Barrow, Utkarvig, and I come from the Amarwak and Panayok families. And just you know, you I saw you know some nodding and some a little you know, just hearing what Mary had to say. Go ahead and what what some of the things that stuck out to you. Well, I, I, I'm very proud of Mary Peltola and uh, having someone who looks like us and understands who we are as Alaska Natives uh, representing our people in the United States Congress. Uh, she raised some ex- excellent points, uh, and I, I do believe that she has a servant's heart. And um, one part about it that she talked about was holding the federal government accountable, Um you know, you were a, a federal employee and mm-hmm. um, having that seat and being an Alaska Native person, that was historic for you to be in the position you were in as well mm-hmm. um, during your time in the in the presidential administration. So is there why is that important? Why why do Native people need to be in all levels of government? I strongly believe that representation from the Native American community is extremely important, whether it is in the United States Senate, the House of Representatives, or in every single agency across the administration, because there is such a void in uh, in the federal government and understanding of why we are who we are as Alaska Natives, as American Indians, Native Hawaiians, and Lending that perspective and that advocacy to the issues before the federal government uh, by a Native person certainly benefits the communities uh, that we are called upon to serve. And uh, Richard, um, go ahead and please introduce yourself, and then we'll get your comments on what you heard. Yep, Uh, go ahead. Good morning. Uh, my name is Shakyak Ish, uh, Richard Peterson. I'm uh, President of Lincoln Haida. Um, this is a really exciting time. I, I come from a matrilineal society. Um, we literally are who our mothers were, so um, or are, I should say. And so my lineage traced back since the beginning of time because all of my lineage has been Native. I can track to my place and everything because of who the women were. And so to me, I grew up very young, 19-year-old mayor in my village, a 21-year-old tribal president, serving with predominantly women-led um, councils. It just kind of makes sense to me. And also, you know, representation matters. And Tara so um, nailed it on the head about we need to fill these spaces. This is so important now. I always feel that every time there's turnover, we are starting over with administrations, having to educate them on who we are. So at every level from local all the way up state and federal, we need to fill these positions. And I'm really excited to sit here next to Tara, who it was historic. And she filled like one of the top, you know, just she was an appointee. I mean, that's incredible. And we didn't have to go in and educate her about Alaska, Alaska Natives. And, you know, 
229 tribes in Alaska, 23 very distinct language bases in Alaska. We're not the same people. We'll have differences, but we have a basic understanding. And so that representation is so incredible. And honestly, um, you know, in this current administration, we're seeing that more than we ever have before, even in the White House with Powie Rivera in there and just that level, Libby Washburn was there. All of these people... It's incredible, and I got to be at the White House when uh, Katanji, uh, for the Supreme Court, right? And I saw her daughters, and I got overwhelmed. I was sitting next to Brian Ridley from TCC, and I got choked up, and I was like, I looked at Brian, I said, her daughters, they're growing up thinking they can be anything they want because they see their mother being that. And I think of, like, Tara, now Mary. Um, Our people see that. Whether we're related or not related, we see that and we're like, we can aspire to these things. And um, what are some of the things that stuck out to you when you were hearing Mary talk? You know, we're so polarized now in our country by Republican, Democrat. Um, I'm proud to say I don't want to be either. I just want to be an Alaskan. And with Mary, I hear her very distinctly sounding like an Alaskan. And uh, Tara, um, Richard mentioned little girls and, you know, all all these things from Supreme Court to these positions. Um, we have Deb Holland, who's Secretary of the Interior. And it's not just, I think we when these things happen, um, we even have Valerie Davidson, who is in a high state position. So when these things happen, it's not just Alaska Natives. It's all of Indian country gets so excited and celebrates women. Um, and even, you know, other other um, people who are elevated to these positions. So go ahead, Tara. That's, that's an excellent point. I was recently in Iceland for the Arctic Circle uh, convention that happens every year in October. And uh, I felt exactly the same uh, way as you're describing, when I saw Mary Simon uh, stand up on the stage, when I was a little girl, uh, she had traveled all across the Arctic uh, representing Inuit uh, through the Inuit Circumpolar Council. And, and so I grew up watching her career. And when she was appointed Governor General of Canada, there was so much pride and uh with the news and and just that extreme, uh, extremely high public position, uh, there was so much pride. And when I saw her on the stage in Iceland, I, I, like Richard, just was so overwhelmed with emotion for pride and what she represented. Uh, And it became extremely clear to me that she didn't just represent Inuit from Canada. She didn't just represent Canadians. She represented all of us. Uh, and so when you see uh, Native American women who are breaking barriers, breaking down barriers, that's just, uh, I would say, a modern way for us to kind of pave um, that path for the next generation. 
And it's not just um, in government positions as well. I mean, we have a woman president of the National Congress of American Indians. There's other organizations where there's strong leadership, whether it's education, housing, um, these different uh, organizations that represent Native people across the United States. Um, uh, Richard, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's interesting because it, it, it's like there's some kind of native renaissance right now, right? Um, media, we have our own Quana Chasing Horse Pots who's like hit this supermodel level. Um, we have representation coming up like on reservation dogs on TV. And we see those young ladies and those young men on there. Um, DeFaro is here this week and was at Elders and Youth. And it was pretty incredible um, to see our youth and, and elders actually respond to them. And, you know, um, Kwana in her, we were on a panel together and I moderated, and she talked about how we need to fill every space. And so we as indigenous people, women, everybody, we need to see ourselves represented in the world, in our places. When I go to our clinics, I want to see our people as our doctors, as our nurses, you know. Um, it's a, it's a feeling of comfort and safety, but we all need to know that we belong in, in this place. And, you know, this is all native land, and that means we should fill every space possible. And we should never, we should unapologetically, without fear, feel those, fill those spaces. And again, seeing people like Tara and now Mary and our own people fill those, I hope our youth at Elders and Youth see that and say, I want to be that someday. I want to be, you know, working for the Department of Interior. I want to be the, you know, running our largest healthcare, native healthcare system in the country, like Val Davidson is, who, you know, was a former uh, lieutenant governor. And, a, you know, um, she's filled those high roles. And hopefully it's just more and more. And people are breaking those trails for us. And uh, you're listening to Alaska's Native Voice. We're talking about Alaska Native women and all leadership positions. And we're going to have to go to break here in a few minutes. But, uh, Richard, before you leave us, um, how can men help Native women? How can men be the support system? Um, I think that's a really good question. I think you show up and you support and you be there. And you sometimes just get out of the way and shut up. Um, you know, literally, I, I've been in that role as a male and it's so easy to overshadow almost anybody else in the room but usually women come in and they're already at that deficit because of the societal ways and you just you just need to step aside and give them that space and put your ego aside because you know what their success is our success i if i you know i want my sisters to be successful and my mothers to be successful why wouldn't i want other women and uh, so just get out of their way. Well, thank you for that. And um, anything else you'd like to say before we go to break in a couple minutes here? No, uh, only that it's just an incredibly exciting time right now. We're, we're seeing some really good changes. And I said, like even in, you know, media, and uh, I'm a huge fan of reservation dogs. And see, seeing that representation, I didn't grow up with that. We, you know, outside of our homes and our culture and our villages, we, I didn't see myself represent. I didn't turn on the TV and, and see myself. I didn't have, you know, people, our um, cultural institutions are putting out books. They're putting out 
all this media, and you know, there's Molly of Denali now, and and our kiddos are growing up and they identify with that and they and they see that and now they don't feel like they can't do that because they're seeing it. Definitely, for sure. Just want to thank you for being on our program today, and it just reminds me too of a personal story of um, growing up. Same thing. We didn't have that. We didn't have cartoon shows. We didn't even have toys. And so my mother, a full-blooded Navajo, um, proud citizen of the Navajo Nation, she made me dolls that were brown. And I didn't understand that at the time, but now I do. And now I, I don't have daughters, but I have two sons. But I, it is, representation is um, really important. And Tara, we have just a couple minutes but before we go to break, but I wanted to hear what you had to say about um, how men are supporting or can be support systems. Well, I certainly uh, echo the um, sentiment that Richard just shared about uh, getting out of the way sometimes. Uh, but finding that balance, working and, and seeking out uh, women in leadership positions, whether it is in government or within the creative arts community, uh, finding ways to help amplify those voices, to help amplify those perspectives in all facets that men are involved in within our society. Well, thank you for that. We're going to take a short break and then we'll be right back. Welcome back to Alaska's Native Voice. I'm Antonia Gonzalez, and we're on the floor at the 2022 Alaska Federation of Natives Annual Convention. And we're talking about Alaska Native women and their rise in all levels of government and leadership and even in the home. Um, and we want to continue this conversation. We have Tara Sweeney joining us and also Kulik Truvalio. I just, sorry if I butchered your name, but uh, I want to welcome you to the show. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Uvlalotek, Uvanga Kolok Kravalio. I'm Liz Kolok Kravalio. I'm Kikik Dagrami from Kotzby, Alaska. And I'm really honored to join, well, Richard, who stepped away, but also Tara this morning, who I really take a, a, it's really great to see you. I really look up to you in your career. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and you were here and listening to the conversation. Um, anything you want to reflect on that you heard before we went to break? Um, something I I really appreciated is uh, what what uh, Representative Paltola has shared. Right, is is that often um, I think our leadership is not. I I don't. I remember growing up and, and hearing Helvi Sandvik and Marie Green talk of, talk about, you know, it's not really about being a woman per se, it's being in the room and 
uh, in our cultures, um, doing doing what we do for our communities. And um, I think it's an honor to sit here with Tara and with Richard and others uh, to talk about this. And I really agree with what uh, Tara shared is that it's about getting um, representation everywhere across government, um, in international spaces. I mean, geez, even the work that you've done, Tara, with Arctic Economic Council, the work you're currently doing, helping raise that awareness of our communities and all of our interests, it's so critical. Well, thank you so much for being here. And um, Tara, uh, reflecting on, you know, looking back at before we went to break, anything else that um, you wanted to share uh, as Richard uh, left us? He, it was great that he'd join us. And he's always been an advocate for um, Alaska Native women, but also his work throughout um, Indian country as well. Well, you know, a couple of things. When... Uh, whenever I've come to AFN, I've always uh, acknowledged my, my grandmother. She's no longer with us. And I do know that, uh, like uh, Liz, we have a ton of aunties who are either watching or listening. So I want to just kind of honor them and, and give them a shout out and say good morning. Uh, women in our society have, uh, a, I would say, a healing quality. And Richard talked about kind of the divisiveness of um the divisiveness across our country. And that's something that I saw uh, as a concern here in Alaska as well. And the time really is now for uh, women leadership to help bring our communities together, the uh, different factions in the fabric of Alaska Native governance together, uh, and to, to blur the lines a little bit between the political parties, because at the end of the day, we're all Alaskans. And uh, we did get a chance, uh, our producer, Emily Schwing, had a chance to talk to people um, in the state and, of course, here at uh, the Alaska Federation of Natives Annual Convention. So we wanted to play some clips from some um, men that she interviewed about the topic we're talking about today. We have John Pingayuk, and he's a Chupik elder in Chivak on Alaska's West Coast. And he spent 30 years teaching his uh, culture. So let's hear what he had to say. It's about time that we recognize the women too. That they have a, they can make us uh, have a, a good organizations and, and they can be a lot of wisdom and knowledge that the way my grandfather have taught me that that the women cannot be left behind and say, uh, you, you can't speak, you cannot hunt. No, not that our roles are in, interwoven in one. Mm -hmm. And so the women has to start standing up and say, I can hunt and fish too. And uh, Kola, what is your uh, thought about what this elder had to say? I think something uh, that I appreciate about what he shared is, is that women, and I think for... I, I, it's kind of odd to me sometimes that we talk about women in leadership as though it's separate. I think it's there's a, a presence that has always been there um, for women in our roles in our communities. And I appreciate what he's sharing about recognizing and elevating that leadership in these institutions or systems in a Western space that are um, traditionally seen as uh, male uh, leadership. And so I think it's great to have our elders, especially 
lift up women, recognize that role that we've had, like Tara said, unifying roles and the things that we can do to bring people together. I was just reflecting back even on Millie Holly's presentation yesterday and the work that she's done in her community to unify the conversations that are happening around community expansion and how do we tackle these big issues. So I really think that what he shared is important and that recognition is really key. And Millie was on our program yesterday yep. as well, talking yep. about the um, storm recovery and and definitely great leadership from her as well. Uh, Tara, your thoughts? John Pengayak has uh, is such a an insightful elder and man of Alaska, and so uh, I had an opportunity to spend some time with him in 2010, and uh, he has always been just supportive of uh, women throughout throughout Alaska, and I just appreciate all that he, that he has had to say. And he talked about, you know, also women being, being able to go hunting and fishing, and Mary talked about being on a fishing boat. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Tara? Well, I have uh, an auntie from Ulurnek, uh, from Wainwright, who is uh, probably... The best sharpshooter <laughs> on the North Slope, in my opinion, and uh, I think that we should celebrate women out hunting, out fishing, uh, captaining boats, and uh, really providing for our communities. And anything to add to that? Oh, absolutely. I always think back to the diverse skill set in the women in my own family. Um, my Anna Ada was. Um, uh, really involved in uh, t- caretaking and helping. Um, uh, she was involved in, in medicine as a, a woman who only had an eighth grade education. Um, but her sister, Laura Davis, was a hunter. She went out and she gathered ice to help provide water in the community. Like, I, you know, I think it's worth celebrating and continuing those traditions. And I think it's amazing to see uh, some young women on the North Slope um, who are really out captaining, participating in whaling, and seeing some of the women in our communities do that as well. As well, it's pretty awesome. And um, with your role and your work, how um, do you see women being involved in land land management? Oh my goodness, I um, I really appreciate our network of peers. Um, we uh, so in, just even in the Alaska Native Regional Corporation community, um, I work with Jamie Murundi at Doyon. There's Tisha Kunz at Chalista. Um, there are women out there doing this work on land management, and I think it speaks, um, just like any of us, to the proximity and importance of land to our culture, our way of life, continuing our language, but also making sure that we have land available so that communities can continue to grow, um, so that we can pursue responsible development that supports the presence of people to be able to be in our communities and subsist. And so um, I, one thing about the unifying quality is that we get to work together to tackle big issues, whether we're talking about gravel or a subsistence issue, all of those things. And your thoughts on the land management, Tara? I do believe that the woman's perspective in land management uh, certainly is, uh, it adds a lot of value. And there is that stewardship, that natural stewardship that women carry uh, day to day. And having Liz in in a position at her regional corporation uh, looking after the land as a steward is is, uh, empowering. Well, let's go ahead and go to another clip. Um, 
this year, well, every AFN, when it kicks off, and even at Elders and Youth Conference, um, veterans, military servicemen and women are recognized. Um, this year, uh, Benno Cleveland especially recognized women, and it was just, we've never seen that before happen at, at AFN, but um, Benno Cleveland, he leads the Color Guard, um, and he is a longtime military veteran who is from the interior, and all the all the veterans came out and they presented the colors and then Benno got on stage and he specifically recognized the women. So he spoke to uh, producer Emily Schwing. Let's see what he has to say. A lot of our women, they're taking leadership positions now. A lot of them are stepping in and I don't know why. The men are kind of taking a backward seat and the women are starting to take over and doing a very good job of uh, different areas of our lives and in the different corporations and business. So it's good for them to stand up and be who they are. Biggest thing is I didn't want to recognize our women veterans. They're so forgotten and we need to stop that. And uh, producer Emily Schwing also did a story about it for um, our KNBA news uh, cast and also for Alaska Public Media Network and um, just interviewing. She had a chance to interview some of those I believe all of them, right? There was there were five five women, so she um, interviewed them. So if you didn't get a chance to hear that, you can go to KNBA or the longer version on APRN and just hear what they had to say. And um, one of the things listening to the Native Women Veterans talk was just, um, even in the clip this morning, we heard how men still tried to help them, even though they were physically, mentally able to do everything. Uh, Tara, your thoughts on that? I I don't know what to say about that. I think naturally um, women are capable and uh, strong and resilient. And sometimes people just forget that. And uh, having the ability to, to assert yourself, uh, to lift up other women uh, in those types of situ- situations is, um, is important. And Liz? Yeah, I just want to echo what uh, Tara said. Is that I think that, um, that that can happen. And I really want to go back to also what uh, Richard shared is that often that lifting up looks different in different spaces. And I see our men, and I really appreciate our veterans acknowledging our women. I mean, we have some of the highest um, rates of uh, Alaskan uh, people in the nation uh, uh, serving in this uh, armed services. And uh, we should recognize our women and support them when they're done with their service and honor that service. Definitely. And also not only just military, but also law enforcement. And I'm sure there's a lot of Alaskan Native women who are part of that as um, go, go ahead, Liz, in law enforcement as well. Oh, definitely. Um, I was. That reminds me of Tessa Baldwin, who's a young woman in our community in the Northwest Arctic Borough, who's working on public safety for our region. Um, and I think it goes back to that quality and value that women can bring to the conversation around public safety and the issues Alaska Native women, our Alaska Native men, our whole community face when it comes to public safety or lack thereof in our villages. And so providing that support to them creating uh, spaces where that uh, style of leadership is honored and supported is really important at this time. And Tara? Well, women in law enforcement, again, I keep going back to the same theme, that they're, they come with a different set of uh, approaches. And 
in law enforcement, oftentimes you'll find that uh, when you have law enforcement coming into the communities or into the home, it's in a time of crisis. And having, again, a, a woman's touch in uh, law enforcement can be a, a deciding factor on whether or not there is trauma uh, or exposure to trauma uh, in a very delicate situation. And so having that balance, going back to what uh, Representative Peltola was talking about, having that balance uh, throughout our communities, regardless of position, uh, is is extremely important for the balance and the mental health well-being of our people in our communities. And there's, during AFN, there's a lot of discussions looking at policy, um, you know, a lot of different social issues, and just a lot of stuff that happens during the convention. And there's definitely a lot of women here. Um, But one of the issues that is being talked about a lot, it was at the Elders and Youth Conference, and also um, here at AFN, is the missing and murdered Indigenous people. And that's um, something, you know, in Alaska that is also being a lot has been a lot of awareness is being raised on that. And um, also looking at how women can um, help examine this and help find, you know, ideas, share ideas of how to address this. Uh, go ahead, Tara. Well, when I served as assistant secretary, we uh, initiated Operation Lady Justice and traveled across the country talking with uh, community leaders and advocates uh, about this very issue and what we needed to do as a society, as at that time in my role in the federal government. Uh, Because Native American people, men, women, and children, uh, are um, deeply affected by the crisis of, of, of missing and murdered people in our communities. Uh... Women, again, we've seen leadership across the country, and I, I go to, to your home region uh, within the Navajo Nation, raising awareness, the, the strong women up in the Pacific Northwest, bringing this issue to the forefront. Uh, and across the nation, the Red Ribbon Skirt Society, uh, there's so many uh, pockets of positive leadership trying to raise that awareness across the United States and especially here in in Alaska. And as a society, we absolutely need to break down those barriers to ensure that there are um, victim services uh, for those that are returned home, that there are wraparound services so that there's an integration back into the community so that there is healing, and that for victims' families, that they have the appropriate resources as they struggle through finding uh, their their loved ones either missing or murdered, uh, it's 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 all hands on deck all the time. And Liz, go ahead. Yeah, I don't I don't know what more I could possibly add to what Tara said. I agree one hundred percent. I wanted to wear purple today for Ashley Ashley Johnson Bar in our community. Um, who unfortunately uh, we lost her and I really appreciate her father's continued advocacy on her behalf. And I, I think a lot about what you're sharing, Tara, and the only other thing I would add in terms of those needs is the proximity of those resources. Um, Navajo Nation is very large. Alaska is very large. We're very fortunate in our region to have a child advocacy center um, and some services that are out there, but we need to bring those services closer so that people have the ability 
to speak up and ask for the supports that they need um, and for communities to heal around this really important topic. And I think something that um, is is also important is us finding ways to lift up the people who do stand up and try to speak to this issue, who try to raise awareness about something that is wrong in their community or what, what may be happening that might lead to a situation where we've got someone missing and murdered. And it also makes me think about grassroots efforts because um, thinking we've been covering this issue for so many years and I think back to the movement and it being led by grassroots efforts, um, you know, in Canada and the U.S. And just thinking how a lot of the grassroots leaders are also women. Um, there's a lot of women who lead these grassroots efforts, even when it comes to voting. Um, so just uh, Tara, how, you know, just your comments on on the grassroots efforts, and whether it's missing and murdered indigenous people voting, um, all kinds of issues that women are involved in. I would just say never underestimate the power of a determined Native woman. That's it. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's our best quote. (laughs) But um, also... As we're sitting here discussing this issue, um, thinking about raising boys, I'm a mom of two boys. They're now teenagers. One's off to college. And just, you know, I made sure that he knew his grandmother, my grandmother, my mother, um, and their, their, you know, their, their other grandmas and, you know, every relative and just making sure they also knew how to treat women, mm-hmm. um, girls and um, that to treat them as equals and just the way we raise our boys. So um, whether it's your your own son or a nephew or a member of the community, a lot of times, you know, it's we're we're taking care of um, more than just our own children because that's just the native value. So uh, Liz, go ahead and start. Yeah, sure. I um, it's a great quote by Tara. I was thinking too. We have the immediate need, right, of response that comes up. And I, your comment about raising our boys and our men in our community being aunties, uh, good annas, good relatives to help teach good values and support um, people, and then help them when they make mistakes so that they don't snowball into other issues. I think it reflects too that the work that we're doing, especially as mothers, is generational. Um, and that there's the immediate need that we have to respond to these issues, but there's also the work we have to do to deal with generational trauma, help our communities with healing, um, supporting our men to uh, see themselves positively, to see themselves as respectful of women and themselves um, and their aunts and their aunties. And so there's all of these layers to me in my mind about how um, the leadership crosses spaces and supports more than one generation. Go ahead, Tara. Well, thinking about my own son and the importance of the different women that he looks up to in his life and uh, creating that space so that he can establish those relationships. One of the things that my mother used to say to both me and, and my brother growing up was be gentle, loving, and kind. And uh, I, she, it really made an impression on me as I learned to understand the value of those words as my son was, you know, born and having those conversations. And I found myself uh, sharing those same words with him as, as a child, as a young man, as, as an adult. 
be gentle, loving, and kind. And uh, I'm really proud of the relationships that he has created with his aunties uh, and Annas uh, across the North Slope and across Alaska. And I think it makes me think about, too, is just with technology and the technology we have today is that it's it's good, and it, but it's also scary because oftentimes that's where our children are learning stuff and they're seeing different images. And we recently um, covered a story um, looking at Hollywood and, and how Hollywood portrayals have um, contributed to missing and murdered Indigenous women in, in the stereotypes and having the Academy... A prestigious organization, excellence in movies, have officials come and apologize to the late actress uh, Sashin Littlefeather, but also to acknowledge that Native Americans and indigenous people have been mistreated and misrepresented in the media. So it just kind of makes you think, too, is you know, there, you can't unsee things. So I think that also has, when we're raising our boys, to remind them of that. Um, any comments on that, Liz? Well, I um, naturally uh, was telling uh, producer Emily Schwing that I've been listening. I think uh, public radio in particular for me has been important throughout my life um, because of my mom, um, who used to be a part of um, National Native News. And I think about you, Antonia, um, and I think that when it comes to media and representation, whether it's in entertainment or in journalism, it's so important to see our communities represented. And I really appreciate the work that you're doing um, in this program and then all of these amazing podcasts that are out there. But I think what you're highlighting also is really important to touch on that we have more things that are being produced by our communities and with the rise of technology um, and broadband we're seeing the accessibility of that being much wider. I mean, it's amazing to hear all these young folks who are creating different podcasts, different ways to access our communities and talk about the issues that really matter to us in really organic ways. And so I, I know it's a little bit adjacent to what you're sharing, but I think that representation even in, the, in what's being produced is critical and the accessibility of it is so exciting to see young people stepping up using this technology to tell our stories and maybe reflect... Um, better ways of thinking about our indigenous women and our communities as well as men. Uh, Go ahead, Tara. Tara, sorry about that. So I was, again, recently in Iceland and uh, looked up and saw uh, Kathy Rexford and Princess. Uh, they're, They're working on assignment. And to me... Seeing them there, hearing what the, the project that they're working on uh, was so inspiring. And uh, I w- walked over as I was leaving and I thought, I'm not going to let this opportunity pass me by. I need to thank them. And so, because uh, we don't do that enough. And so as I was walking out, I did. I said, thank you for the work that you're doing uh, on on this project and really making sure that there is accuracy and uh, it's, it's culturally appropriate uh, and that more of our people need to be involved in the media entertainment industries uh, to accurately reflect why we are who we are. And they're doing a great job. Yeah, I think that. Thank you. And thank you for thanking me, Liz. (laughs) Um, And, you know, also just, you know, we have just a few more minutes left on our program today. But looking at the future and um, what are we what do we want to see in the future? Tara, what do you want to see? Tara, what do you want to see from Alaska Native girls for the future? 
I would say work with no fear. Uh, there are times where you're, you're challenged uh, and it's intimidating, but uh, keeping in the back of your mind that standing behind you and uh, alongside of you are the women who, who have walked before you, uh, holding you up, uh, either, you know, from the back or locking arms with you. You may not feel it or see it, but they're there. And there have been sacrifices made, and it's important to not let fear paralyze uh, your progress. But it should be kind of that energy that catapults you forward, and and you work through that fear. So working with no fear. Uh, As as an Alaska Native woman, I would love to see more young women... uh, across sectors uh, representing our people. And uh, Liz? Yeah, I um, I think a lot about um, our young leaders, and I, I guess to add to what Tara shared here, is that we never, we're never doing the work alone. And no matter what space you move into, leadership um, and the work that you're doing, it's you're doing it with those locked arms. You're doing it with the support of your community behind you. And I think it's so important to keep that in mind um, and reach out for the supports that you need. And I will say that um, any anyone coming up on that next generation is just keep in mind our roles to be aunties, to be mentors, to help bring along that next generation. It's that willingness to give back in that space is so, so important and um, to acknowledge them um, and the work that they're doing as our young people are coming up as well as recognizing our elders. So bringing that mentorship along without also and also alongside having no fear and connecting, keeping that connection with your community. Um, and I think our, our younger women are doing that. I mean, I think about Coffee and Clock. I think about some of the work that uh, Jackie Lambert in our region is doing and so, so energizing and exciting. And I think um, I realize now looking at younger women too is that I get energy from that as well. And don't uh, underestimate the value of your presence. And also a big shout out and thank you to all the artists. I mean, there's oh, yeah. so many women downstairs um, yeah. and talking about the aunties and how, you know, that's that's across not only Alaska, but lower 48, you know, the aunties. And I saw uh, uh, some earrings and she had named each one of them and were like, uh, you know, and they were called auntie. And mm-hmm. I was like, I mean, I wanted to buy a lot of stuff. But, uh, I tell but, you, uh, Cheryl Stein and I, every AFN that we're together will door bust. And we had a plan yesterday. <laughs> we were meeting at 7.30 for coffee and we were we knew the doors were opening at 8. And we were like, you go here. We've There are a couple of our favorite vendors and it was just sharp elbows and we we're like, we need to get there first. It's, it's becoming increasingly competitive, yeah. right? <laughs> For sure, uh, Liz. I was going to say, I, I bet you also this year, now that we're back in person, I people are like, oh, man, I didn't get that moose hide I wanted. Like, they're like all the things that we want to be able to get. Like, I, I was just like 100%. FOMO. Yeah, totally. Like, I get in there, get my new earrings, get my stuff, get my Christmas presents. Absolutely. And you walk by and you see somebody with the earrings that you want. Yes. You're like, oh, oh girl, it's on. Oh. I, oh, my gosh. My previous boss. Sarah Lukeen one time walked up to me and she looked at my necklace and she was like, I remember that necklace from two AFNs ago. And I was like, oh no, I'm so sorry. Sorry, not sorry. 
snizz you lose, sister. That's so true. And I, Emily and I were talking about it yesterday, and I kept seeing something that I want. She's like, you just need to go get it. Because if you don't get it, and then you're just going to think about it and think about it. It's so true. Mm-hmm. So, so Very true. true. <laughs> well, we're, we only have about a couple minutes left. Um, I want to thank you both for joining us. Um, just uh, your final thought, uh, Tara, on our discussion today. Well, I, you know, I don't know if folks in Radioland can hear the background, but the power of the drum is absolutely amazing. And uh, there was a woman from... Uh, year over year, who was a crowd favorite. Her name was Maddie Annavuk Bodfish. She had her own dances, but every time I hear a drum beat, I think of, of her and her dance performances. But she led by example uh, through compassion and humor and love and respect. And so uh, that drum beat behind us right now is absolutely powerful and just energizing. And uh, thank you for that. And thank you for the work that you're doing. And uh, Liz, we got about less than a minute. Go ahead. Oh my gosh, I don't know if I can fill it with a whole minute. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I appreciate uh, the topic today. And I, you know, was thinking about when you said that, I was thinking about Pauline Carlo too and her singing and um, just the different women who are present during AFN. And we get to see so many different women across our regions who um, have been amazing leaders who have anchored us in the theme of unity, right? Like um, years of uh, putting the time in, mentoring the next generation coming into AFN, mentoring leadership, um, and helping corks correct in the conversation. I always think of that gentle, like women, female energy. Yeah, that real gentle nudge for, for those who may can't, can't see Tara and I. We're like gently moving our hand. <laughs> like it's the, the gentle Anna anti-nudge. Well, thank you so much for um, your work too and for being here today. You're listening to Alaska's Native Voice and um, join us again tomorrow. And thank you to our uh, staff, including Emily Schwing. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. AFN, Alaska's Native Voice. Produced and directed by Antonia Gonzalez and Emily Schwing. Broadcast support provided by Rasmussen Foundation, Alaska Native Tribal Health Consortium, ExxonMobil Alaska, Chalista Corporation, Manilik Association, South Central Foundation, ConocoPhillips, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, and Donlin Gold. This is a production of KMBA and Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation, brought to you through Native Voice One the Native American Radio Network.